0: Good evening and welcome to the pompey politics podcast i'm ian tiny morris and i'm simon Sandspring.
1: and welcome to another sunny evening on the south coast riviera with the sun beating down we opt this evening to chat with a couple of folk for whom the sun has gently set on their time as councillors and on portsmouth city council
0: um yeah sorry i don't know if that was all muted because i've only just joined Um. come back in so were you all okay? ah
1: no i was i was waxing lyrical about sunshine and sunsets on on portsmouth city council careers so we're joined this evening live by ex-councillor lynn stagg how are you lynn
2: fine thank you well yes fine-ish i mean considering i had uh, open heart surgery a few weeks back i'm not too bad
1: marvelous Well, we're glad, glad to see that's uh that's all gone well and you're yeah you're, you're, you're up and about and well and um we did a little recording earlier today simon
0: um we we did indeed so um later on we've uh, we've got a segment uh with um rob new who um unfortunately we couldn't get him in this evening uh but he we, he's joined us uh joined us earlier on today um but um joining us obviously live we've 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 got lynn um, who thankfully is uh, has given us uh, part of our Sunday evening.
1: So marvelous! We'll dive straight into the question. So, Lynn, for for those of you that uh, for those of our listeners who, who who perhaps don't know you, can you introduce yourself and um, give us a little insight into how you got into politics and um, how you ended up becoming a a, a councillor?
2: Right. Thank you. Yes. Well, my, I'm Lynn Stagg. I've been the one of the Athens ward Councillors for the last 16 years um, from 2007 until last month um, and my background um, I was a teacher um, I taught in London first of all then in Plymouth then in Sydney Australia and then in Portsmouth and um, I retired from full-time teaching in 2002 and I did a bit of part-time teaching and then um, A former colleague of mine, um, Darren Phillips, um, he was standing for election in 2006, and I wanted him, I wanted to ask him a question, because I was involved with Baffin's, uh, the Great Salters Preservation Society, and um, I wanted to ask him, uh, as a councillor, could he do such and such for me, and I ended up doing some deliveries for him, and then one day he said to me, have you ever thought of becoming a councillor and i said nope not interested in politics in the slightest i've always voted in elections but i'm not interested and um, he said well you know that's what's the problem i said well i i haven't got enough time and he said this doesn't take very long he said i said how much is very long he said oh it's only about two evenings a week and stupidly i believed him ah. um, and i didn't check with anybody else i didn't really know any other councillors Um, So anyway, that's how I ended up um, standing in 2007 and um, and getting in with quite a comfortable majority, which was which is quite a surprise and very pleasurable. Um, And uh, I'm I'm a Lib Dem, not because I'm an activist in any shape or form, never have been. um, But ever since, well, uh, starting with the SDP, I've always voted for them. So uh, um, before that, I used to vote Labour and then I got disgruntled with with Labour, so I didn't bother voting them. I've never voted Conservative in my life, but I was, um, as you can tell by my accent, I'm not a native of Portsmouth. I come originally from Swansea, I was at University in Aberystwyth, and that was a hotbed of Welsh nationalism. And um, Mm. I was a great supporter of Plaid Cymru in those days. Um, So, but I was too... you had to be 21, I'm, I'm that old, you, know, you had to be 21 before you could vote. So I never got to vote while I was at university and there wasn't much chance of voting for Plaid Cymru in London. So that went by the board and that's when I voted um, Labour. Um, so that's that's my history. i come from a very working class background, very working class, grew up in a two up, two down terrace house, an outside loo um, and um, my parents, both my parents had left school at 14. Um, none of them were, were, I was adopted as well. Um, I was five weeks old when I was adopted. Um, so I was brought up with an older brother, 15 years older than me. And we used to have some interesting um, conversations when when I was at home because my father was staunch labor, was a shop steward and, and um, union member and what have you. My yeah. mother was really liberal, but she voted, cons- um, voted um, late because my father told her to she was that generation you know where the <laughs> wife wife did yep. husband, told her. my brother who was a building society manager was conservative and i was applied company so we had some very interesting conversations
1: it's it sounds like you uh yeah whilst you may have not considered yourself to be a politician uh, it sounds like you grew up in very fertile political
2: grounds absolutely yes yes we used to have meetings here in in my house uh, union meetings because my, my father was um the treasurer of the local branch and uh, so i got to know everybody um, that way yes
1: excellent
2: mm.
0: and that, that's quite was that how does that upbringing compare to the council chamber
2: um well it's a mixture to be fair because there are other people and like me came from very working class backgrounds um and i yeah but, it's a real mixture you've got from one end, you have know, people who went to to private school and came from families who have been staunchly um conservative or labor or lived them um all their lives and and there are others who have changed as they've gone along you know as they've grown up um so yeah it's it's nice to have a mixture
0: hmm. okay so um some moving on i guess so that's how you got in got into a, into politics even even if that yeah. uh you know e, e, even if that was just a, a, a the gateway drug of leaflet delivering you you, you were saying earlier on. <laughs> um so yeah. what's um what's behind your decision to to stand down you've, you, you know you've been elected well, several times
2: partly so. my age i mean i'm 79 on thursday so i think i'm you know it's time that somebody younger came in mm-hmm. with with new ideas um, my health was another thing um, because it's in addition to um, um, the open heart surgery my dear darling dogs pulled me over into the gutter back at the end of january and broke my left shoulder and that's still in a very very dodgy um, position now so it was very difficult it's so much pain um to to carry on and do things as effectively um, as, as I should. and um, so, um, and, and the other thing was, you know, I've, I've given service. I mean, as a teacher, uh, you, you do more than just teach, mm. you know, you, you are a social worker as well. <clears throat> so, you know, I've done lots of things for everybody else. I've got three children. I got divorced when my children were quite young. So I was always on the road because they all did different activities. You know. Um, so I was on the road every day of the week, taking them to rugby soccer um tennis squash gymnastics um what else were they what um orchestra portsmouth schools orchestra uh, you name it I, I was sort of and then all the background stuff that goes with that you know the raising money mm. through um uh, jumble sales etc so i thought it's, it's time before i actually sort of Finally, kick the bucket. You know, to have a bit of time for myself.
0: So, so there isn't like a big project you're moving on to. It's just actually you you want to dial things back a bit and just enjoy the time, really.
2: Yes, but there are one or mm-hmm. two things I want to pick up on. I mean, we we did start. And it wasn't us as as um councillors, although we were on the, the committee. Love Baffins, and we had a Christmas market in Tangier Road. And then the person who was organising that um left, and nobody picked it up. I so I'd like to pick that up and and reintroduce that if I possibly can. I'd like to, um, there are a lot of people um, living in the ward who've lived there all their lives, and they have such amazing memories. I want to pull those together if I can, and have memories of Baffins, because once those people die, their memories go with them. And there are lots of little stories. There's one lady who lives in my ward, she was 100, she must be 101 now and um she could talk for britain she was absolutely amazing but she has lived in in baffins from the age of two. Oh wow and she wow. took the whole history you know of um the baffins farm and how she used to play with the, the children of the farm and um and what it was like during the war mm. um and um so that those memories i'd like to to get together um and um and yeah get a book because i did margaret foster who mm. was one of our councillors in um um uh charles dickens ward um, she lives in Portsea. she um got a lot of people's memories of the mudlarkers mm-hmm. and she raised money she um uh, produced a book and, and and the profits from that went to buy the statue which you now stands outside the gate um to the historic dockyard um yeah. so you know that people have done this sort of thing before and it, it's good you know that it people's memories don't die like that so mm-hmm. so that's one thing um and I've, I've I've talked with uh um the director who's in charge of the libraries and that he's, uh, he's sort of supporting that and this i saw a program the other night actually on tv and i honed it because it was from swansea <laughs> and um it was the um oh what the heck do you call them um they they knit things to go over bollards and stuff like that. oh the um, oh
0: is it guerrilla knitting or um yarn, yeah yarn yes that's it yeah
2: yes yes and i thought we could do that in 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 portsmouth in in baffins i'm very much into the community i belong to the baffins pond association Mm -hmm. um and you know community things um so we've got a dipping pond now uh, but it's not fully sorted but that's something i want to carry on well definitely lots to carry
0: on with then Uh, and like you're saying it'd be great to get all those all those memories um that um that generational record of of the of of the baffins gone by um Mm -hmm. before before it's lost forever forever so yeah
1: interesting absolutely Mm.
2: yes yes so
1: so so just reflecting back on your time in council we know we know from social media that um that people become a local councillor for for the fame and the money um but what would you say are the big the the biggest misconceptions of um (laughs) Of, of what the role of a councillor is. Oh involves. yes,
2: yes, yes. Many people out there think that we earn the same salary as um, MPs, yes. um, which is about 84000 a year, I think. And I, I try to explain that they don't believe you, of course, because they only want to believe what they believe and they don't want the truth. I mean, that really ruins their, their perceptions. Um, but the other thing that's fascinating, they think we've got the power to do everything that the police do. You know, why haven't we sorted out um, the, the, the traffic, you know, on, on um, Tangier Road, because we can't actually do that. We can we can put in things to slow down traffic, etc. But we have no power to to arrest people or hand out fines or unless they're travelling in in a bus lane, which they are not supposed to do. So so yes. Yeah, so th- those are the two biggest misconceptions, um, and with it, of course, it goes oh such toxicity, and that has got worse in 16 years. I've been a councillor. I wouldn't like to start my life as a counsellor, no. <clears throat> it is just so toxic. People seem to think that because you're in public office, you're open to any kind of abuse that's going. And um, it's just totally wrong, you know? Hmm. Um, but there we are. That's people, isn't it?
1: And and I think, you know, the, 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 obviously, the, you know, never afraid of a hot seat, Lynn. Obviously, traffic and transport. Oh no. yes, yes. I, I I understand that all the parking problems of the city were in, entirely your fault, and the fact that oh, you absolutely. didn't fix them, I them all. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh yes. So I guess. I- sorry. That that must have that must have been something. Uh, I, I'm sure you got your fair share of feedback on why the parking be. issues weren't sorted yet.
2: Yeah. Yes, and when you tell people that the reality, you know, they don't want to know it. I'll, I'll give you a, an example. We had a. Um, uh, an exhibition, I suppose, um just on Copner Road, because um, the area where i 'm living um, wanted had been asking for years ever since I became a councillor, for residence parking, so we wanted to let the surrounding areas people in the surrounding areas know um, <clears throat> you know what what was involved, and um this this couple came up to me and said. Well, what the, the wife said, what am I supposed to do? And I said, in what way? And she said, well, we've got four cars. And I said, oh, you've got off-road parking, have you? And she said, um, no. And I said, so where do you park your cars then? She said, well, a- outside of the road. So I said, well, you've only got room outside your house to park one, so where did the other three go? And she said, well, elsewhere on the road. I said, oh, so where somebody else could be parking their car outside their house? And the husband came up to me and he said, you're taking away my civil rights. I said, am I? What way? And he said, well, you're telling me I can only have one car. I said, no, what I'm telling you is you've only got room for one car. Um, yep. And um, so he told me to F off and called me, um, I won't say, but he starts the letter C and went off. Conservative. And so that, you know, when you, I, I don't know. I didn't <laughs> no. bother. I was so dumbfounded by that. You know, I, I, I'll just leave it. Um, and I say to people you know the reason we've got a major parking problem in is we've got too many cars for the amount of parking spaces available it's simple you know it's not um, massive science it is simply you know outside each house you've got room for one vehicle and if you've yep. got five vehicles or whatever you know um, you, you just there's no room for them Just
0: for the basic mass is to
2: then. reduce the number of cars
1: absolutely absolutely
0: simon yeah. um yeah so um and that um that brings us m- um swiftly on to um that mathematical um revelation um that um yeah. that brings us swiftly on to so what would you say your the highest and the lowest points have been of your uh, of your many years as as counsellor what's the what's the highs and lows well
2: the highs have been when yeah, when we've done something and people have said it's not gonna work, it's not gonna work. And it turns out that it, it does work. Um the lowest ones are I mean, we did it and it, it we had to try it um during lockdown. We um followed Grant Chap's his um, suggestions you know about having um creating more space for um for active travel so for um bikes so we we um uh, stopped the, the parking in Elm Grove, and it was a complete and utter disaster. Um, but it had to be done to prove that it wasn't going to work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we could have said, well, we don't think it's going to work. Well, how do you know what people say? Unless you try it. Because you've got the two ends of the spectrum of those people who believe that cycling is the be all and end all of everything and, you know, nobody should have a car. And then there are those the other end who say, you know, uh, cy- cycles and cyclists are in the rear end, and we don't want them. So um, it doesn't matter what you do with with transport. You um, you please some of the people some of the time, but not all of the people all the time. So 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 some of the bad points are, are that. But coming away from that, I have to say I was Lord Mayor for a year, and that was an amazing year. It was knuckering. I did about I think I I it up I think it was just over nine hundred and fifty. Um, sort of meetings or uh, um, during the year Um, and I met such a a lovely variety of people not just yes I met the Queen Princess Anne who's absolutely amazing Um, Prince William we talked about football we compared Pompey with um, Aston Villa and and so forth and he was just so ordinary Um, Charles and and Camilla Uh, but we also I also met loads of people you know the, the carers the people who who um, look after somebody um, all the time, um, the young carers, the, the kids of five, six years old, you know, who are carers for one of their parents or for a, an older um, brother or sister, um, people from the the, the blind um, society that used to be in um, uh, oh god, what's the name of the road? Just powers Court Road, I think yep. they used to. Yes, i uh, going there. You know. And, so many people and, and this wonderful <laughs> lady. She was it was her 103rd birthday. She was in a residential um, home. Um, Doreen, her name was, and um I went went in and I took her some jelly babies because I'd been told she loved jelly babies. So I had the chauffeur with me and um so I sat down and I was chatting to her. She had one of those hats on that looked like a Christmas uh, birthday cake, you know, and um happy as Larry she was. She said, who's that over there? Um, meaning the, the chauffeur, I said, that's my chauffeur. She said, "And so many. I said, yeah, yeah he's not that bad, bad looking, I suppose. She said, is he married? And I said, I don't think so. Oh. I said, "But I think he might have a partner, mm. she said. I said, are you disappointed? She said, yes. Yeah. Um, and she said, I've got a chance there, have I? And I said, oh, go on, Doreen. I said, nothing ventured, nothing gained. She said, do you reckon? And I thought, if I could be like that at 103, it <laughs> would be absolutely wonderful. Um, so so yeah, I met all sorts, and it was just such an eye opener, you know, being involved in so many things, so from both ends of the spectrum.
1: So, in, in your 16 years, you've seen a whole range of group leaders. Um, how do you think Councillor Steve Pitt will um will change and shape the direction of Portsmouth now he's a council leader?
2: Well, Steve is a, is I don't always agree with Steve, um, but then none of us I'm sure always agree with our, our leaders. I mean, not least my leader, but um, Steve is a straight down the middle um, person. He does things, or he suggests we do things because he thinks that's the right thing to do. And I think that's important because you know where you stand with him and you mm. you're arguing not on on sort of nebulous things it's he will he will argue the case and um, for it because he will look look through everything and pinpoint pin every every point so I think he'd be good I d- I don't necessarily uh, think every well don't think anybody, everybody's gonna agree with him because he is you know a if I say he's a black and white person, that sounds a bit too strong, but he's more black and white than gray. Yep. If you know what I mean.
1: So and, I think, I think Steve, Steve definitely comes across as as forthright and yes, um, yeah. he believes what he believes. Yeah, so. yeah,
2: yeah. But if you pers- you can persuade him, you know, that he's thinking um, the, the wrong way. Um, but no, I think, I think he's strong um, and I think that's important. But the one one thing that I like you see about the Lib Dems, which I don't like about the others, I don't like to be told what to do, um, and that's one thing I like about the Lib Dems. We're a very argumentative, lot of um, people, and and we'll argue through things, um, teen times, um, But um, you can't do that with many some of the other parties, you know, because you get directions from head office, and we don't get the same sort of thing. Well, I think we're more pragmatic, you know. Uh, We will do what we think is right, even if that is not what, um, or it it may be something that one of the other parties agrees with. You know, just because the the opposition doesn't mean to say we disagree with everything that they come up with. Um, So, so that's what I I, I like it. I I, think
1: it was in it was interesting at the uh, at the count this year. Many of the people who were returned um, spoke very passionately and warmly about the Lib Dem family, and I guess as with all families when you yeah. pull together it's great but you've yeah. got to have those uh you've got to have those arguments over the Christmas turkey as well
2: oh absolutely and I think that's an important part because otherwise you don't look at every angle of it you know you, you've you got your own idea and um it's only when somebody else points things out that you sort of might think oh god yes I hadn't thought of that so yeah hmm. it is it is a very good it is a family yeah very much so and I think I think um uh, Steve would
0: be okay. we Will do all right. Yes. So um, parties generally tend to struggle to find uh, find candidates overall. Um, do you think that? Do you think this is down to anything in particular, or, or do you have any ideas about how they could how they could fix that, make it easier for people to find find it easier to make hang on, sorry, make it easier to find people to stand, or even to ask questions.
2: I, I don't. I don't think there's an easy answer to that at all. Mm. Um, ideally, we should have more younger people in. But um, let's face it: if you know, if, if you've got a a job, you've got a salary coming in. If you've got a family, you need to have that money. Just under, I think it's about eleven thousand a year um, you get as a as a councillor in, in Portsmouth. You can't support a family on that at all. And you can't, in all honesty, I don't know how anybody can do a full-time job and um, be a full-time counselor, particularly if you've got a portfolio. I mean, I was working 50 hours a week. That was, that's, that was the norm. Um, I mean, often, at the, um, there was one, one evening when I, I, I didn't, uh, Susie, I think, had written to me, or, or um, Susie Horton, um, she was just about to start doing her email. And it was something like quarter to 10 at night. Uh, and about um, three-quarters of an hour later, Steve tried in. he said, I just finished mine. Um, so so that, that's the sort of thing. You know, you can't do that and have a full-time job. You know, you've got to get up in the morning um, and, and, and be bright and breezy, but also you've got meetings. Um, so, and, and women, again, it's a, it's a difficult one because if you've got children I mean, I, I would never, ever in a million years have dreamt of becoming a counsellor when my kids were young because my time was with them until they reached an age where, you know, they were more independent. I would never have done it um, because, uh, you know, because your family suffers and uh, that, that's wrong. How you solve that, I don't know, unless you have full time, properly paid counsellors. I can't see that happening at all because there isn't the money is there so i don't know i don't know what Mm -hmm. the answer is i've tried you know to persuade more women and people from ethnic minorities as well um because we're you know we're we're short of, of of them um and we have so many quite large ethnic minorities in portsmouth and they really should be contributing um you know, not just contributing because it's expected of them, but to represent their um, people, their groups of people, because what they need, what they want, um, is not necessarily the same as, as what another group wants, you know, mm-hmm. um, because of the nature of, of their ethnicity. Um, I mean, well, so I'd like to see far more um, Muslim women, for example, um, involved um, on the council. And we've also got a, a large group of Kurdish um, people in, in the community, the, the Chinese. I mean, the Chinese, we've got the biggest, I think it's the biggest group of Chinese um, in, in, in the whole of the South Coast, even more than Southampton, I, I think I'm right in saying that. Um, and yet we have very little uh, representation on the council. So I'd like to see more of, of that. And I don't know, I think, I think we have to make it more appealing. Um, to them but how can you make something appealing when you say well you've got to work 50 hours a week and you'll get a load of abuse on social media and everywhere else um so you know um but we only pay you eleven thousand a year um come on in and join us that's a hard hard thing to try it's and a,
1: sell it's a, a, a four pound an hour which is i think roughly what it works out yeah, as yeah, um yeah. yeah it's 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 an interesting one isn't it yeah, that we yeah. would you know we wouldn't expect anybody working for the council to be paid that no, except no, the right. councillors um yeah, who we yes, expect an awful yeah. lot of for, uh, yes
2: i must say not money. all councillors work that hard you've got some who are lazy individuals and they just pick up money you know uh, and there are others who work way over uh, the amount of time um, that they should be working um and that's because they they are devoted to their work you know um it's not trying to be better than anybody else but some portfolios i mean kimberly barrett for example who does environment i mean there's so much in there because in i mean the, the climate change thing is is gathering momentum all the time she's at so many meetings she's seeing so many people she's going so many places she's got two young children yeah um it's it's difficult how how on earth you expect her. I know she was working out one day, there was one week she said she was earning just over £2 an hour for that week um, because she had so much to do. So Uh, it
1: it is a shocker. So apart from the remuneration and and attraction of of counsellors, looking back on your time in in PCC, if there's one thing that you feel desperately needs to change, what would that be?
2: Something that's not likely to change because of the nature of a, a, a council. And that is for things to happen quicker um, because we get residents on our back, you know, why hasn't this been done? Blah, 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 blah. Well, you've got, because it's, because the council is handling people's money, everything has to be done meticulously. So it has to go to um, procurement. Um, so, you know, if you, if you want something done, they've got to okay that, that what you you wanted for is genuine is okay, um, and so and because you've got so many departments and people, I I've, I've noticed it. I think more since lockdown because more people are working hybrid, so you can't always get hold of people um, when you'd like to. Whereas they used to be in the office, they're probably now working from home, and it's not quite as easy. You know, to what so, one thing I, I missed more than anything was being able to. If I was doing something, if I was in the members um, room, uh, group room, um, and I wanted to find something out about um, any particular aspect of transport, I would nip up to the next floor and I'd go along and, and see people sitting there and say, Oh John, you're blah, 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 such and such. So, and, so. and can't do that any longer. And that, that always took a lot more time. By the time you sent an email to somebody and they actually picked it up, and then they reply to it and send it back to you, but it wasn't everything that you wanted to know in there. so you've got to send another one. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: um, so things weren't as, as fast as I would like them to be, and I can't see us going back to being full time in the office um, because it suits and, and it does, it works well um, for a lot of people. So I know I know with um, transport they were sort of. Um, meeting particular days, you know, um, Tuesday was a day when they would all come in for various things. Um, and, but it's still only leaves, you know a small portion of the day, rather than um, of, of the week, rather than the whole week, where you can contact people. So sometimes it's not that easy, and then as a result, you don't get the communication tends to break down a bit. You know, um, whereas if you see people on a regular basis, you can say can you do such and such or can you answer that so that that's one thing and i don't know what the answer is to that i just find it frustrating that things are held up and that's not criticizing the the officers because they do nope. a really good job um it's just the, the way the setup is now yeah you know? so.
1: thank you lynn well i uh, and that, lovely to give us that insight and i i i guess we 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 would wish you a a happy retirement but based on the list of you you strike me as a person who's i'm going to take it easy apart from these 27 things (laughs) that i intend to keep working on so um
2: yes Yes, that's that's me i'm not going to change there um uh, i've had to slow down these last few weeks because i just I, i was back in hospital last monday for three days because uh, I had fluid on the lung. They thought it might have been a um, a pulmonary um, embolism, but it wasn't, thank goodness. Um, But uh, so I've I've had to slow down, which is driving me nuts, because I just don't have the energy. I'm sure it'll come,
1: come come good in the end. So no, um, that's been absolutely marvelous, Lynn. Thank you for that, Simon. I'm, I'm
2: on the executive as well. I don't know why I'd say to Peter, um, Brooke, why, why the hell have you got me on the executive because I'm not a politician? He said, that's why we want you on the executive. <laughs> so I don't know how true that is. There well,
0: go. there we go. It it seems like your your days, hopefully you won't be doing any 50-hour weeks anymore, but it seems like no, your, your no. days aren't exactly going to be um, feet up in the, in the garden. So... Oh uh, yeah,
2: no, my gardens are shambles i have to say yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> well um well thank you uh, thank you for giving us uh, some of your Sunday, lynn. uh thank you very much for Correct. for sharing all your all your answers and um all the best and um uh, and good luck with all of those um community projects in baffins
2: thank
0: you thanks Lynn Have a nice evening, everybody thank you so um yeah so uh thanks to lynn uh for joining us so our 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 other contributor this evening unfortunately couldn't join us live as we were saying earlier on. Uh, so we've got a recorded interview uh, with uh, with Rob New, who also stood stood down in May. Um are we good for me to uh, play
1: Rob's interview, Ian? Yeah, Roll, roll BT, <laughs> I believe, is the term yes yes okay it is it is the term and it looks like my dog is playing up okay so we'll um, we, we'll yeah. we'll play the vt yeah, and run the, run the vt you, mute the mics you, you and you we'll, reset um, the dog we'll work out yeah. what's going on okay off. um to jumping straight in for those of you that kind of don't know you can you introduce yourself and kind of your how you got involved in politics
3: <laughs> so um i got involved in politics around 2005 2006 as a basic leaf litter going out um, for Penny Morden and Donna Jones and um, Conservative councillors of the day because the honest truth is it was the only way I'd get to spend time with my then partner um, on a Saturday who was dedicated to the cause Um, and actually it it kind of went from there. So um, I I became councillor in 2011, um, was elected successfully for three terms and then decided that, you know, um, I wanted to do other things. Um, I also work for Penny Morden, MP in Parliament as well. Um, and as many people in Portsmouth will have seen, you know, uh, uh, she, she's doing some, some big stuff. Um, and so, yeah, so it's been an exciting ride and it's, it's great so far. So that's me in a nutshell.
0: Marvellous. Thank you, Robert. Okay, so that leads us to the next inevitable question is, what was behind your decision to stand down?
3: Um, so I'm. I'm. Um, so I'm also uh, chairman of Portsmouth North Conservatives, and this is my outgoing year. So this ties in lots of things um, up nicely for me. So it's my last year as chairman. Um, I think you have to make way for new blood to come in to the council. Um, I myself personally am a big critic of career politicians in local government and like sometimes you need to know when you need to stand aside and when you've given all you can give and when you should also go on i think to look to embrace other challenges and avenues someone once said an analogy to me and that was a table with one leg you know like you, you see like fancy tables uh, tables exhibitions is easy to take out if a table has many legs you know it's harder to topple it
0: and in, and in that example are you the table or the leg
3: Oh, it depends. I think I'm probably the person with a bat. <laughs>
0: okay. So, so what are you going to do with all of that free time?
3: Um, well, funnily enough, I thought I would have more free time, but I, I don't really. Um, so I also co-founded um, a marine organization with Councillor Daniel Weems, um, which is going from strength to strength, um, called Conservative Friends of the Ocean. Um, I'll talk about that in a bit, actually, because um, there's some work that I'm quite proud of that the council has taken on under the current administration um, and I'm working closely uh, with them and with officers but also councils across the country so um, and then of course Penny is leader of the House of Commons Lord President of the Privy Council it is a full schedule plus you know I get to do a little bit more surfing a little bit (laughs) a little bit (laughs) thank you
1: So we often see on social media, Rob, that um, people get into being a local councillor for the the fame and the big money. Um, Mm. What do you think is the biggest misconception uh, of what people believe being a local councillor is about?
3: Well, I think from casework, and I can say this with 12 years under my belt, um, plus parliamentary casework, um, is that people think that politicians, local government and MPs, actually, are like demigods, like they have superpowers to resolve things. They don't, um, and so often I think the perception that is wrong um, is that they can affect change at every level. They can't. They've got one lane that they can stay in, and it's basically council and um, mostly regulatory um, things that they can help with, um, and they can foster. And they they actually do have huge amounts of power, like soft power, I suppose, if you will, to affect positive change. But a lot of that is about co-working, cross-party, and with officers. So Councillor Lee Hunt once gave me some great advice, and this would actually be a good thing, I think, for um, uh, uh, members of the public who do think that you can just change everything for them and make their problems go away, is that there are three powers in the council. There is the administration, the opposition, and then the civil service. And you have to work across all of those to effectively um, help people. But even then, you can't always um, uh, fulfill the, the expectations of what people um, think. And so, you know, so many people think a counsellor is like an MP, for example. And it's mm. like, they're not. And people think that MPs are there, you know, as like some sort of powerful, uh, like, deity. And it's like, they're
1: not. So I guess it's that uh, your your ability to influence and change. Well, I wrote to my local councillor and he did nothing. Is uh, is is the uh, is the narrative that you're fighting against?
3: Yeah, you know, and you get that in local government. You see it in elections. Like there are some people, you know, who who have very strong views on certain issues. For example, the whole kind of like stop the boats thing. You know, like I'm no fan of Suella Braverman, for example. You know, I think she's quite a a bad person. but you know there will be people in the local elections who like i'm not voting for you as a local councillor because you're not stopping the votes and it's like there's nothing we it's like it's not a councillor's remit a councillor's remit is to deal with council functions you know uh, things like drop curbs um dog poo bins where they're placed you know um uh, uh, council tax those kind of things and potholes in roads it's those kind of things or housing issues, social services issues. So it's a large remit, but it's often not what is um, chiming with the public, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. I guess I guess Rob knew out on your surfboard just inviting boats. Do you mind turning back? Probably isn't going to cut it, is it, Rob?
3: No, probably not.
1: So <laughs> interesting that it's all peas, though.
0: Uh, was it poo, planning, parking? Um and I'm sure there was another one, but I can't remember what it was. But um yeah, so there we go. Um okay, so thinking back obviously now you've you've had time to have a rest since your since that um, since however you felt when you woke up on May the 5th. Um what would you say are the highest and lowest points of your time as counsellor?
3: Um so I think probably the highest points, um, and of course they're kind of like uncelebrated things because a lot of the casework you do is incredibly complex. Um, some of the work is, you know, it, you you could never sing about it anyway because it's private. Um, so I think probably the proudest things that I've done, actually there's a few. Um, the first one is helping quite a few people not lose their council houses because they've gone into financial difficulty, real strife. Like most people fall into crisis at some point during their life and they don't know where to turn. And quite often the way that people cope with that is, they kind of close down they stick their head in the sand they don't open their, their their mail that comes in and then of course the situation does get worse but eventually it reaches a crescendo where they do need help and i think that's probably one of my proudest things and the council does have processes but it does also have the ability to help people in crisis Sometimes you have to remind those in charge on an officer level that, you know, we can spend the next three months fighting over this, or we can recognize this person's in crisis. They really need some help. It could lead on to worse mental health um, uh, uh, problems for them, dare I say even suicide in some cases, Or we can just get to work now and we can try and find a way to get this resolved very quickly, get a plan in place. You know, somebody said to me once, the worst feeling is waking up with the dread, the anxiety, which, you know, it can all be resolved. So I think I was lucky in that, like, I'm not afraid of knocking on, you know, fortress doors, so to speak. I'm not afraid of shouting at people if I know it's the right thing to do and that they should be doing it. And I have to say, in nearly all of those cases, the officers were superb, and so were the politicians that helped. And, you know, so that, I think that's probably one of my proudest things. It's not something that you can really shout about. But I think things like that can only also come from a place of like a lived experience as well. Like I've been on hard times, very hard times at times, you know, has been well documented when I was plastered all over the front page of the Portsmouth News for various things. You know, they didn't they didn't care about the hardship I was going through, but I remember it because I remember how I felt. And so when you listen to some of those residents, and a lot of them, I have to say, weren't even in the ward; they were from all over the city. So I think I felt quite proud that people used to come to me from not only my party, but other parties to ask for help on it because, you know, I think they knew I was a bit of a um, uh, somebody that kind of wouldn't back down. And I have to say, pay tribute to, corkery as my well, Councillor corkery because he too has a bit of that fire on issues like that um also things like the sea defenses i'm really quite proud of so um uh, and and uh, Councillor hugh mason um you know all of the work that's been done is transforming the defenses and the protections for this island and all of the stuff that went on at the time like actually i think we all stood quite united perhaps apart from the labor party um in terms of uh, the vision, we could see where it could go, you know, and sure, things could still be done better, but with with the money that was then made available by the government and um, DEFRA and the Environment Agency, I think it's shaping out quite nicely. It looks pretty good. And we've won some awards for parts of it. I'm really proud of that. And actually, I was super proud. So one of the first problems I was able to resolve was ensuring that Anchorage Park was the first section that, that was done to stop the flooding issues that were affecting people there, their housing insurance premiums, et cetera. So yeah, there's been quite a bit of work. But again, it's not really like stuff that you celebrate publicly, is it? Because it's a bit like it's private. It's a bit gray. It's a bit, you know. Bit, bit crisis based. Yeah, it's
0: it's kind of interesting because, like you say, a lot of the it sounds like a lot of the things that you're really personally proud of are obviously quite rightly things that you can't discuss because they're very personal uh, to the person or the family that you helped. Um, but also the other things actually ne- aren't necessarily the kind of the the big shouty, sexy things that kind of get people excited on leaflets. So it, it, it yeah, it's an interesting exactly it's an interesting contrast.
3: It, yeah. Um and and then I think probably the last mm. thing as I sorry I know this is a very long-winded no, answer, don't worry. so apologies. Don't worry. Um I think nope. the last nope. thing that I'm probably quite proud of was kind of like my parting shot, as it were, and it was a nice one, um, was the motion for the ocean, which was very detailed and very complex. And um uh, a lady called Emily Cunningham is the co-author of the concept and the actual original motion for the ocean and daniel and i um Counselor daniel weems were able to take it work with them to be able to make it so it's portsmouth based and i i love that kimberly um Councillor kimberly barrett um uh who is the the cabinet member for climate change um also loved it and she didn't take it as tokenism you know so credit to her She took it, she ran with it. Actually, she's just invited me to come and um, take part in in a a large uh, public meeting, a forum on this, on Next Steps. Because Portsmouth being an island city is, you know, there's so many opportunities that we can have, and we're starting to see some of them, but there's so much more that we can do, especially around ocean literacy, swimming, having that connection with the sea, thriving coastal communities. So that was really exciting for me, and I was also quite proud of that.
0: Cool, anything that you, that's the opposite end of the spectrum?
3: Uh, yeah, that there are still too many incompetent people in place um, that don't make good decisions on an officer level who are paid far too much money and that, you know, I called it out with the current chief executive and he would just roll his eyes and ignore you. But you know what? I was proven right on many of those things, but those people are still there, you know, I think they're doing a disservice to the city, but thankfully there are more good ones that outweigh the bad ones. Okay. Thank you. Are you?
1: In those 12 years, Rob, you've seen many of the group leaders uh, come and go and some some very big personalities uh, have uh, been evident in local politics. How do you think the council will fare under the leadership of uh, Councillor Steve Pitt, who uh, now has the big chair?
3: Um, well, I think Steve Pitt should have been the leader a couple of years ago, to be honest, because like, I like Steve and I have to say I have an immense amount of respect for him because during the pandemic, when lots of people are on furlough, our office and Penny Morden's office you know we were working flat out like sometimes we were on four or five hours of sleep at night we were dealing with all sorts of crisis many of the things we weren't trained to deal with so was Steve he wasn't leader of the council then but so many people politicians who were way out of their depth were locked down in silos and it just seemed like they were avoiding their responsibility to me he wasn't he was there every step of the way and like it was like we were all supporting each other, and he was superb then. And I saw his leadership qualities like up close working with him, and I, you know, I'll never forget that.
1: No, I think we observed on the podcast that it, it it was almost a brutal result that having, you know, worked tirelessly for the city for for a year, you know, he ended up losing his seat. But we've yeah. also reflected that possibly that that year out was the uh, was the best thing that could have happened for Steve. <laughs> So that he could uh, he could come back a, a little bit refreshed, having uh, having had that time away.
3: Absolutely, you know, and and what I would also say is, so you know, often things work out like it's almost like the universe has a plan for all of us, isn't it? You know, and I'm not like into mm. kind of mumbo jumbo stuff, but sometimes sometimes it does. And I have to say, um, Councillor Charlotte Girardet, who was um, <clears throat> elected, is superb, and you know. As a, as a leader, as a person, as a politician, I, I really think that, you know, the council is richer for the current setup that it currently has with Councillor Gerarda on, I am in Central South Sea Ward, Councillor Steve Pitt as leader. Of course, I would like a conservative leader, um, yep. you know, but, but you know, we don't have the numbers at this time. So I think Councillor Pitt, you know, I wish him every success and I'm, you know, continue to work with him anyway through a parliamentary aspect. Lovely. so. Talking of candidates, um,
0: all parties seem to, at one time or another, seem to struggle to uh, struggle to f- to find uh, candidates, uh, and especially kind of in, in target wards. And um, just to explain it for, for listeners, in just from a sheer kind of marshalling of resources perspective, there'll be um, paper candidates in wards where where parties are unfortunately aren't able to actually level kind of any campaigning, but they have literally need to have someone on the ballot paper. Um, but even even with that um various parties seem to struggle to find candidates what why do you why do you think that is
3: well i think it's a multi-faceted answer so i think first and foremost um one of the things that i see as chairman is you kind of get two or three camps of people that come forward you've got the glory hunters and the title um seekers you know who don't want to help people so i was saying the driving goal should be to help people, that is actually what elected representatives are there, doesn't matter what level, whether it's parish, borough, unitary council, county council, parliament, whatever, you know, that is got to be the driving goal. For a lot of people, it isn't, they're about status, etc. Well, fine, you can sniff those people out a mile out, you know, and then you can deal with them, because it's all like, it's about managing people, right then you get the people who are humbled by their experiences and they want to go out, they want to use what they've learned to help people so that they don't have to go through all the hardship they went through. They're often salt of the earth people, you know, and quite good, and they make great local counsellors in my experience. Um, and I'm going to just pick on one example there, and that's my friend Councillor Hannah Hockaday, now uh, Councillor Brent, which I still can't get used to, by the way. Um, I so I worked with Hannah in two, from 2008, and she was a real community champion, you know. And she wasn't into like the Westminster infighting, and I think the public are sick of that. And she has made such a great local, or she became a, such a great local councillor. She was interested in all the things that, you know, the glory hunters who I formerly mentioned absolutely were not. But I would say, hand on heart, she's helped far more people than those that seek status and free dinners.
0: Do you and th- in, 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 in if parties are struggling, um, especially when I think, don't we, in a couple of years, we, we're facing the prospect of all ups because of the boundary changes? Um, how what's, what should part, what should parties be doing about trying to find candidates, and what advice would you would you give to people that are considering standing?
3: Well, I think one of the other problems, of course, is the remuneration. Mm-hmm. So because one of the first things that you talk to a candidate about is what's required, mm-hmm. um, like while colleagues would completely, I think, join me in making the case of, but it depends on what you're wanting to get out of it. Because you can technically do as little or as many hours as you like, as long as you turn up to a set amount of statutory for council meetings. But the reality is if you're a good caseworker, it's going to take a lot of time Therefore, that's going to eat into your evenings, your weekends, or dare I say it, actually, like you'll probably have to balance your full time job um, if you work um, with trying to get that fitted in. All of a sudden, you're like, wow, OK, the remuneration that they give you for the expenses is peanuts. So it's the old adage, if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. And in some cases, that is true. That, I think, is one of the main obstacles, especially with the cost of living crisis, the things that are happening now. And I mean, the, things aren't going to get better, I think, in the short term. So I think we're still looking at two or three, four years away before we start to see light at the end of the tunnel on, on some of these issues. You know, the pandemic really was a two, three year long issue. And coming out of the back of that, it's going to take equally as long, possibly maybe a bit longer, in my opinion, um, for, for people to kind of get back onto a good kilter. So therefore, if you're saying to someone, "Come and be a counsellor and do this, this, and that," like I think that is a problem because you've got to live. Does it mean that
0: does does that limit the limit the sorts of people that would even consider it? Because most people, when you you know, think of um, you know think of single parents kind of struggling to you know to raise yeah. raise their kids or whatever, or someone that's struggling with one or two jobs, they're just not going to have the time to be able to
3: commit to it, is is that quite limiting then? I think so, and I think some of those people would make superb counsellors, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, but you know, it's it's not in their financial interest to do it. And some of them start out and they go through the candidacy route, I've seen in all parties, and then at the end they're like, it's just so much work, especially because the campaign's the big hurdle they've got to get through first. And it does take a lot of time and money, you know, as you know, Simon, being a candidate yourself, um, and then actually the, the work for the council, because the meetings will be all over the working week, that's why we, I think across the country, I think the average age of councillors is 55 to 65, um, you know, a lot of them being on the retired end, and it's because they do have the time to do it so apart from the the financial impact um and remuneration to be able to afford to be able to be in local government especially in portsmouth where look you know that's not been around the bush it is for all intents and purposes as a rounded figure a half a billion pound corporation paying a councillor 10 grand to have oversight on that you're not going to attract the quality that you need there are so many incredible people and i'll just pick on, again, the demographic you spoke of, like, like um, a, a, a single mum, for example, who might be working a part-time job, et cetera, to, to top it up, a lot of those people are so switched on, like they just feel feel themselves, because we've got access to so much information, like they're so intelligent, they scrutinise, they watch things, uh, you know, they're watching all sorts of programmes, I would say, um, where, where you know, they're, they're kind of accessing more kind of general information than probably I do on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know. And I think they would make superb local government um, representatives, but there are barriers in the way for that. And also as well, I think um, uh, um, there is a place for everyone in local government, but there are upsides and downsides, and people have to weigh that up on their, their own personal level, I think, to be able to, to make the decision on whether it's worth it for them and whether it's something they want to pursue
0: okay thank you this interesting points
1: brilliant. brilliant rob and apart from and again something i can echo i've I've always looked at the council of remuneration and thought well that's that's ridiculous um but apart from that is there one thing having seen 12 years of the mechanics of portsmouth city council that you'd really like to change <clears throat>
3: um i think actually um the planning department is the only one thing but we're talking kind of politics so I don't really know if it's the right forum to really discuss that in because I I think it all ties into the 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 administration are clearly kind of like pulling their hair out about how to deal with that this is a problem that's been in train for a long time so you know the the and and I'll be honest with you and I can say this now because I'm a member of the public um the problem is is the people they've got in the civil service it it is the head or whatever he's called deputy head of planning or i know they've they've been pushing the deck chairs around on um on the deck so to speak um uh with this but the council seems to have a real problem and i suspect on one hand it's because they don't pay enough on the other hand it's probably too expensive to get rid of the current person who is a part of the, well, he is the problem. I'm going to say that. I don't care, you know, to be yeah. honest with you, because I've found him extremely frustrating to work with over the past three, four, five years, however long he's been in post. The former person before that I thought was superb she was offered a better job. And so she, she moved on as, you know, as a right. And she, she was great. Um, she was always somebody you could go to with a, a, a major problem around those issues. And she would always take the time. She'd always have a caseworker ready to to sort out. You don't even get replies to your emails now. That's how bad it is. And what it says to the city of Portsmouth is, we're closed for business. That is not good. And so that's what I would like to see changed. And I feel sorry for the leader of the council on this issue because I know that he is working to try and do it. I suspect he's between a rock and a hard place.
1: Absolutely. Um, just an additional question, Rob, which is, uh, uh, and again, it, your, your sign off um, was extremely generous to all of the people mm. that you had worked with. You even we, we, were, we were lovely and privileged to be the last word on your Facebook sign off, which we, we greatly appreciated. Um, and you've touched on it again in your, your, your answers, which is you, you seem to have a very collegiate approach to, to, to working and seem to have a lot of respect for hardworking people other than the, you know, other than people from quote unquote, your own team. How, how do you see the sort of current polarisation of politics and, and how can that tide be turned so that we can we can disagree more nicely?
3: So that's a part of the problem, isn't it? And don't get me wrong. Like when I first got involved, I was very much in the Punch and Judy getting You know, house like, of oh, cards. It's really exciting. I learned the hard way. I learned from my mistakes. I also have a great mentor and somebody that's always put their wing around me who's shown me a better way i think in politics and actually you know it's i learned this in the pandemic at the start of the pandemic it is exhausting having to shout at people to get them to do their jobs it's far better to build a proactive relationship with people so they want to help you and so they know you and i have to say i do have a lot of respect for people across the benches people in my own party as well that we've got some real stars Councillor lewis goslin um councillor hannah brandt um councillor daniel weems um and also simon you know councillor simon Boscher is our group leader there ain't nothing you don't know about the city council if you need some to know something and you also need someone to go to bat for you on your team he will stand with you. He will be your Targaryen dragon by your side. And he will probably do, and because he's got such great relationships with the officers, he will probably do some of the nice behind the scenes, um, you know, uh, but can we just get this sorted? This is why X, Y, and Z. And he is fantastic at that. And so I have a huge amount of respect for them. But um, the reason why I did sign off and pay homage to those people is because I really liked working with them as the honest truth. And I think that we're better together to quote, you know, the great late Joe Cox. Um, and Penny Maldon was really good friends with Joe. So I've seen it up close and personal in Westminster when times are hard, you have to pull together with people, you might not always agree on everything, but mostly you share the same end goals and uh, the end of the journey, the destination, it's just how we get there is what we don't agree on. Um, but by working together, you can kind of, I, so I'm all about pragmatism for the most part now. Um, and uh, I think compromise, if, if you can get to the end goal and you can do it well, does it doesn't really matter in the end how you get there? Probably not.
1: Brilliant. Thank you, Rob. Thank you very much. My pleasure. No, I thought that was uh that was very insightful and Rob generous as ever.
0: Um yes, indeed. there's a timed appearance by your cat. Um so yeah, interesting in the in the similarities in the things that both Lynn and uh Rob were saying in around the um the the sorts of things that are limiting the sorts of people that are able to stand for council um and and take part um and how difficult that is to that difficult thing that is to crack Uh, but also the frustration in just how long it takes to get things done um and wanting that Mm. to wanting that to be more uh more rapid and more responsive um, i guess in a time where especially with the social media age residents can be in touch with you by email or by social media tw- you know, pretty much 24 uh, 7 and therefore thereby pretty much want want uh, rapid you know rapid responses and want, thing, want thing's done quickly but it, it doesn't seem that um everybody's kind of I, I think lots of organizations struggle to um to respond to that the disparity then between how they would how the, what speed they operate and what speed the the public actually want things done
1: uh, absolutely and uh and as i uh, in two weeks time it will be the second anniversary of me trying to get the uh lack of a drop curb outside Highbury buildings sorted so that uh it's not an absolute death trap for myself and my guide dogs is testament to how long these things can take but uh no as you say wonderful to see uh um, see two, two politicians who have served the city extremely well um, from different sides of the chamber um, agreeing on so much so with that we shall sign off, you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast, I've been Ian Tiny-Morris
0: um, and our guests have been uh, the former councillors Lynn Stagg and Rob New and I've been Simon Sansbury. Join us next week at 6.27 uh, for our next episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast don't forget to like, follow, share, subscribe all of those lovely things uh, that mean that you get notifications of our next episode on either Facebook or YouTube um, and also um, follow us wherever you, uh, wherever you you listen to us if you're just listening to us without the visual because we can appreciate that we've both got faces for radio so um, join you join us next week thank you for listening to this episode of the pompey politics podcast if you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live we normally broadcast live six twenty seven p.m on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast.
3: Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop.
0: See, it's easy.